a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So the book of Daniel is a call to courageous living. It gives hope to people who are without hope. And if you've come this morning, if you're thinking, actually, you're pretty low on hope. If you had a hopeometer, if there's such a thing, attached to you, and uh, if you would feel, feel that that would be quite low this morning, then the book of Daniel is for you. It's perfect for your situation. It's ideal for where you're at. It is written with you in mind. It's ideal for people who are low or without hope. Somebody once said, to be without hope is to be dead whilst you're still alive. Maybe you can relate to that. I guess most of us have been there at some point or another. So if you need fresh hope, then uh, then the book of Daniel is most certainly for you. It's an interesting book because in some ways, the book of Daniel is one of the most well-known books of the Bible. And in other ways, it's one of the most least known books of the Bible. If, like me, you went to Sunday school as a kid, then I can guarantee that you probably had Sunday school stories about Daniel in the lion's den. You probably had stories about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. They're classic Sunday school stories because they're they're stories about God breaking in. There's stories about God being faithful to his servants. And they make great stories for kids, don't they? And I, I remember them uh, as, as a child. Maybe you do too. But so the first, thank you, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel are like that. They're, they're great stories to get hold of. They stir your faith and they, they talk about the God of heaven who is in control. But I doubt in your Sunday school days whether you ever looked at chapters 7 through 12. I don't know, Chrissy, if, if you do the latter part of Daniel with, with the kids. It is, it, you know, the first half of Daniel is really well known. There's these wonderful stories that we can get hold of of God being faithful. And yet the second half of Daniel, if we're honest, we, we probably hardly ever look at it. Because it's that curious mix of, of mystical and mystical stories. So we move away from uh, in a e- easier to understand things of God breaking into these rather hard to get hold of mysterious stories uh, and, and accounts uh, of dreams and things and visions. Well, it's interesting that chapter 2 that we've come to this morning is a bit of a mix of both. And if you thought that you know, the first six chapters were always easy, then chapter 2 gives us a, a, an inkling into what the latter half of Daniel is like. Because there's, there's some of these things that appear more in the latter book, part of the book appear then in chapter 2. It's a bit of a mix. And in chapter 2, we find God speaking to a pagan, unbelieving king, but in a way that got his attention. And if you know the chapter, you'll know it gets his attention big time. Who is the greatest king? Who has the greatest kingdom? Chapter 2 of the book of Daniel answers these questions very, very clearly. And it's not just a story about courage. Although it is that, 
Daniel is certainly very courageous. It's also a story about conversion because we start to see God working in Nebuchadnezzar's life. is isn't completely done in chapter 2, but we start to see the seeds that God is sowing in his life of things that are going to change in latter years. So if you've got um, your Bibles open, I'm trusting you'll have found the book of Daniel by now. And we'll, read, we'll just start by reading the first half of the chapter to start with. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he couldn't sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I'll have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you'll receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, a little nervously perhaps, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I'm certain you're just trying to gain time because you realise that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the nights, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. 
Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Let's stop there for the moment. Let's pray together, and then we'll have a look at this passage. Father, we thank you for this book of Daniel. Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to teach us as we spend these uh, weeks looking at it. And we pray right now that, Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher, that you would speak to us, you would help us to understand what we've read, and you would apply it to our lives. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So to start with, we have a dream from heaven. Verse 1, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. These were dreams that caused Nebuchadnezzar to have a very troubled mind. Now, Now maybe you've had occasions where you haven't been able to sleep. I'm not just talking about you know, the, uh, the lack of sleep from having little people in the house. We uh, have some experience of that. But maybe you've had a situation where, you know, you've had a situation at work and it's troubling your mind and you just can't sleep because of it. Or maybe you've gotten to sleep, but when you wake up in the early hours of the morning, all you can think of is the problem that is ahead of you. All that fills your mind is a situation that you need to address the following day, the person you need to have a conversation with, the thing that needs to be resolved. I'm sure many of us have been there, had those sort of troubled night's sleep. Well, this wasn't just what was happening with Nebuchadnezzar. This wasn't just stress from a hard day's work of subduing kingdoms and chopping off people's heads as Nebuchadnezzar seemed once in doing. But rather, this was a dream from heaven. It's important we understand this. This isn't just something that was going on. Nebuchadnezzar was having too much cheese in the evening banquets, and he couldn't get some sleep. It's very, very clear in the passage that this dream is from God. And God wants to arrest Nebuchadnezzar's attention and speak to him powerfully. And we'll see that happening as we work our way through the book of Daniel. I wonder, how do you think God communicates with us? Well, there are many ways, aren't there? You know, to start with, we've got his word, the Bible. That's a great way that God communicates with us. And in fact, every other way that God communicates with us needs to line up with this book. But God communicates to us in other ways too, doesn't he? Through prophetic words, sometimes through... Other people speaking to us or speaking into our situation. Sometimes God speaks to our minds and drops a word in our picture into our minds. Sometimes God speaks to us in dreams. But then we're a people who, who love God and want to be following him and be faithful to him. You'd hope that God wants to speak to us, wouldn't you? But Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king. He's not a follower of God. He's got, at this stage, no interest in the king of kings, the God of gods, whatsoever. Yet God speaks to him powerfully and addresses his attention. It's interesting, over recent years, maybe you've heard it too, there have been many accounts of God's giving unbelievers dreams. 
there have been a whole number of accounts that have come out of Muslim-majority countries of, of God speaking to people and revealing himself to them in dreams. It's been wonderful to read such stories. I'm sure you may have seen them too. We need to be clear that not every dream comes from God. Now, some dreams you have are as a result of the cheese you had before you went to bed. Some dreams you have are a result of situations that you're facing. They're just a result of your, your mind processing information, storing it, and dealing with it, and analyzing it, and, and, and trying to work things out as you sleep. But sometimes God does speak to us in dreams. And it's very clear here that God is the one speaking to Nebuchadnezzar in his dream. God wants to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention. And the way he does it is in the time when Nebuchadnezzar is at his most quiet and there's the least number of people around. If you think about it, when you're asleep, you're, you're, you're either on your own or, or you're with your husband or wife. You know, that, that, you know, there's, no, there's not like loads of people around. It's not normally a noisy place. It's not a great hubbub of activity. You're lying there in your bed and all is quiet. And it's a time when sometimes God can get our attention because we live in a very noisy and busy world, don't we? We've got things going on all the time. The radio's on and the television or we're checking emails or Facebook or communicating with people. We're, 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 you know, information is coming to us through different means, it seems, constantly in our waking hours. But in these quiet times, God can sometimes get our attention. It's actually a good time for God to speak, isn't it? You think about it. Do you remember him getting Samuel's attention? Samuel! Samuel! While Samuel was asleep. Well, that's how he gets Nebuchadnezzar's attention. And he's really got his attention, hasn't he? This dream has really got to Nebuchadnezzar, really troubled him. And we see that Nebuchadnezzar is surrounded by what are referred to as wise men. That's the sort of the generic term. And that's a bit of a catch-all, really, because it's a whole bunch of people. There would have been, that would have included people that would have been at the best Babylonian university, that would have been educated in the best knowledge of the time. And it also would have included a whole, you know, a whole bunch of magicians and astrologers and, uh, and sorcerers. And it's a bit of an eclectic mix, really. <laughs> All the best earthly wisdom, at best, and at worst, satanic power. A real mix of the best earthly wisdom and the worst satanic power. But against all of that, against all those people that Nebuchadnezzar has around him to help advise him in his situation, God cuts across it and breaks in to disturb Nebuchadnezzar and get his attention. And he does it. Nebuchadnezzar says, I have a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Nebuchadnezzar knew that it meant something and he wanted to get to the bottom of it. So he has this dream from heaven. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, but Daniel's problem is this. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel has an unpredictable boss. He has an unrealistic boss who, you know, who gives unrealistic demands. So last week we referred to, uh, to Nebuchadnezzar being a difficult employer. 
Maybe some of you think you have difficult employers. Well, listen, Daniel's got it pretty bad right here because if he doesn't come up with the goods, that's it, game over, head off. And so Nebuchadnezzar asks his wise men to interpret this dream, but not just to interpret, he wants them to tell him what he dreamt. This was unheard of. It wouldn't have been unusual for a king of the day to gather his wise men and say, I've had this dream, it's this, tell me what it means. That would have been quite normal. In fact, that would have been in a day's work, if you were a wise man. You would have been trained in that at wise man's school. That would have been quite normal. This is how the king operates. He'll have a dream. He'll want you to explain it to him. That would have been fine. But Nebuchadnezzar doesn't do that. He says, not only do I want you to, uh, to tell me what my dream meant, but just to make sure you're not tricking me, I want you to tell me what the dream was as well. They were flummoxed at this. They'd never come across this before. Their response was, you know, no king, however great, has ever asked this of his wise men. Nebuchadnezzar, you can't do that. Well, he could, and he did. It's a crazy demand, even for an ancient pagan king. And in verse 10, they respond like this. They say, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. I wonder if you realise the depth of their statement, because what they're saying there, what they're saying by their own mouths and their own admission, is that their, in some ways, and often satanic power, is insufficient. It can't cut it. They don't have the answers. They can't do what the king asks. They're, They're showing their astrology and other magic arts to be false. By their own mouths, they admit it. And say, King, we can't do it. And so Nebuchadnezzar issues a death warrant for all the wise men. It's interesting that in verse 12, he he orders this. One of the commentaries says that, uh, the the commentator argues that Satan is prepared to sacrifice all of his false prophets if he can get rid of four faithful servants of God at the same time. Let's be clear, there is a satanic power behind this, behind a lot of the wise men that were serving at Nebuchadnezzar's court and in the way Nebuchadnezzar often responded. It was a spiritual battle. It really was. This dream was from God, and yet it had a very satanic response in Nebuchadnezzar's mind in issuing this death warrant for all of his wise men that would have killed off Daniel and his three friends as well. So Daniel had an unpredictable boss, but then he had a tactful conversation. I want us to see how Daniel responds because there are some lessons for us here that we can learn along the way. Evidently, Daniel hadn't been part of that initial group. Maybe Daniel and the guys were still junior in, in in the king's court and they hadn't been brought into the king on this occasion. And so they hadn't heard about his dream, hadn't heard about the situation, and only found out about it when Ariot, the king's commander, came to to put them to death. But Daniel is a master tactician. He's a diplomat. He's a perfect politician. And Daniel, verse 14, says, speaks to Ariot with wisdom and tact. Interesting, isn't it? Doesn't go all guns blazing, but he responds very wisely 
and very carefully to this situation. I wonder, if something happens to you at work or at uni or at school or, or in your road or community, how do you respond? Are you the sort of person that sort of flies off the handle at the least thing? Or would it be said of you that you respond with wisdom and tact as well? Are you the sort of person that, you know, hits reply to that stroppy email and fires off a reply and hits send and then only realises what you've done and desperately tries to sort of pull the plugs out and stop it going, but by that point it's too late and you've responded and your words are forever there. And maybe you've been there. Or do you hold back and think, no, no, I just need to be wise in how I respond with this? Are you the sort of person that gossips around the water cooler in the corridor? Or do you respond with wisdom and tact? See, Daniel shows courage. In verse 16, he goes to the king and asks for time. That's a pretty courageous act because Nebuchadnezzar has already issued the death warrant. So it's just a matter of carrying it out now for Arioch and his, his men. But Daniel goes in and asks for time. That shows courage. But as well as courage, sometimes we need wisdom and tact to go with it. I think tact should be a spiritual gift. <laughs> Maybe it is because we know that wisdom comes from God, don't we? So actually the good news is, if you're thinking, yeah, actually I'm the sort of person who naturally gossips around the water cooler or fires off the email far too quickly. If you're thinking, how do I get out of that? Well, listen, this morning God can help you in it. Because wisdom does come from God. If we're unsure how to act in any situation, we can ask God to help us. And he does. And he can help change us and change our very nature from being the sort of person that responds without thinking to be the sort of person that responds by thinking first and then acting. So don't be afraid of making the right decision, having the hard conversation, but let's be the sort of people that have it in a tactful and wise way. Daniel's a great example here. And as we shall see, <clears throat> he takes the issue straight to God. He doesn't try and deal with it on his own. It's a pretty awful situation. He's been threatened with death here. He could have responded in any number of ways, but the way he responds is he goes to his small group. Do you notice that? The first thing that Daniel does is gathers his friends. Verse 17, if you've got your Bible still open there. Daniel goes to God and goes first to his friends. This is Daniel's small group. <clears throat> if there was that sort of language here, that's what it would say. He went to his committed friends who were with him. Who does he go to in time of trouble? He goes to his small group. His friends, those who are committed to him. They're committed to one another. It's a great model of a small group. I can't call it a life group because that, that isn't in Scripture and it will be wrong to try and edge that in. But that's the sort of feel of it, isn't it? This is his small group of friends who are they're committed to one another. They're going through this together. Isn't that what being in a small group should be about? Partly, not just that, but that's certainly part of it. I certainly hope that's true of our life groups. Which is what Daniel does. He doesn't go through it alone. He's made a deal with the king that he's asking for time so that he can interpret this dream. And having made this deal, 
he then, to, he then goes and finds his friend straight away because he realizes that he needs some support. And together, they pray. I wonder, who do you go to in time of need? Have you got those sort of people around you that you can phone up at any point, day or night, and go, I need some help, I need you to pray, I need you to help me with this? Or perhaps a different question to ask would be, are you that sort of friend for others? Because sometimes people say, oh, but I haven't got anybody like that. And my response is always, well, are you being that sort of friend to other people then? Because in doing so, that's probably how people will be that sort of friend to you. So Daniel gathers his friends and they pray. And we need people around us, don't we? Not just who listen, not just who put an arm around us and go, they're there, not just who go, oh, I'm sure it'll work out okay in the end. But we need people around us who are going to pray, who are going to call on God and say, God, would you break in now? Would you help? Would you intervene? Would you show your hand to be mighty and strong and faithful? They're the sort of people that we need around us. And friends, they're the sort of people that you need to be around others. Because it's very easy when we hear of a difficult situation or a circumstance just to be the sort of person that says, oh, well, I'm there now. I'm sure it'll be all right. Well, We need people around us who can put an arm around us and encourage us. That's important. But if it just stops there, we've missed the trick. Because actually it's as people pray for us, as we pray for others, that God has the opportunity to intervene. So let's be the sort of people that not only listen, but pray too. Their response was to pray. I wonder if that, is that your response to a crisis? Or is it going to panic mode? <laughs> Their response was to pray. And as they did, Daniel had a heart to hear from heaven. During the night, verse 19, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Daniel's heart was inclined towards heaven. He was expecting God to answer. He was open to hearing from God in this situation. I wonder if that's true of you. Are you expectant in terms of hearing from God? Just as in the night God gave, gave Nebuchadnezzar a terrifying dream that really troubled him, during the night God came to Daniel and revealed him to him both the dream and its meaning. God revealed things to Daniel. God spoke to him powerfully. See, right throughout Scripture, God speaks Time and time again, different situations, different people, different times, different circumstances, God speaks. Time and again. And sometimes we can think, oh, God's not speaking into my situation. Well, my question to you is this, have you read the book? Because some things remain true right from the beginning of time until the very end. What God has said about you remains true. What God has said in his word about you being a child of him, about him loving you, about him forgiving you, about his grace being sufficient for you. These things God has spoken over you. Sometimes people think, oh, God hasn't spoken anything to me. Well, my first question is, what has God spoken already? What does his word say? 
His word says these sort of things. Friends, we need to get hold of it and read it and allow it to do us good. I, I know I'm sounding like a stuck record, but at the risk of sounding like... Some of you don't understand a stuck record, do you? You're too young. So I sound like, sound, sounding like a, a scratched CD. There we are. For some of you that understand that. How are you doing in reading your Bible? Now, I, I've been open with you this year and said, well, I'm trying to read the Bible in a year. And I'm working my way through it. Well, to give you an update... As of today, I'm on target. As of last night, I had to do some catching up. <laughs> I had a few days where I, I, and I was behind. I need to, get, need to catch up now. Not because I'm under some condemnation if the, if the phone says hey, you're, you're out of time, but because I want to. I want to get through it in a year. So if that's the case, I need to make some good progress. I wonder how you're doing in reading the Bible. I know this isn't in the text, but listen, we've got to get into this book because God does speak to us through it. So I want to encourage you this year, get hold of it, read it, learn it, allow it to do you good. God will speak to you as you do it, I promise you, because his word is living and active. And if we have a heart to hear from God as we read his word, he speaks to us. So, back to the text. God spoke to Daniel. God speaks today, and he often speaks to us as we read his word. So let's get hold of that. So Daniel is open to hearing from God. God speaks to him. What does Daniel do? Well, his first response is one of worship, isn't it? He sort of breaks into a song almost in verse 20, and he praises God and thanks him for his faithfulness. And then he goes off to Arioch and to the king. And the second half of the, of the chapter 2 We'll look at next time. Because not time to look at it this morning. But as we wrap up, as we bring to conclusion what we've looked at, let's remember that Daniel had those sort of people around him who he could go to in a time of need. Have you got those people around you? And are you that sort of person to others? Daniel responded to the his situation he found himself in with wisdom and tact. Would that describe you? Or do you need to be asking God this morning for some more wisdom and tact? Or maybe you've come this morning and you say, yeah, I'm without hope. Well, let's remember the book of Daniel teaches us that God is in control, that he is faithful. And we can make all sorts of decisions in our lives, some of which are good, and some of which are not good, we have to face the consequences of. But even while we're facing the consequences, even while we find ourselves in circumstances that are difficult and challenging, we can still come back to God. The good news of the gospel that the Bible teaches us is not that God says to us, well, when you've sorted out your mess, then you can return. That's not the gospel, is it? The good news of the gospel is that God comes to us in our mess pulls us out of the situation that we've, we've made of our, of our lives or, or circumstances, helps us in it and works with us to redeem us, to make us more like Jesus. And it's in those moments as we respond to God and when we can, everything seems to be going wrong that we allow God's room to work in our lives. And as we do that, and as we allow him to work in us and through us and allow him to fill us with his spirit, as we become more like Jesus, so we become 
more like him in being full of wisdom and truth and tactfulness when necessary. And courage as well. Because as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, God works in us to make us more like Jesus. And this doesn't just describe Daniel, but it describes Jesus as well, doesn't it? Full of wisdom, tact, knowing how to respond in situations, courageous. This isn't just Daniel, this is Jesus. And friends, this can be us too. Not by us working harder or giving more effort to it, but by allowing the Spirit of God to work through us and to change us from the inside. Let's stand together and I'm going to pray as we close. Thank you, Lord God, that you are in control. Thank you that the book of Daniel teaches us time and again that you are in control. And thank you, Lord, it teaches us too that we can have hope. Even in situations that seem hopeless and difficult, you can break in. And so, Father, I want to pray right now for any who are here this morning who feel that their situation of life is without hope. I pray, oh God, that you would break in. I pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, you would show hope and the way forward, that you would break in and speak as you did uh, to Daniel, Father. I pray you would break in and speak into these situations. Father, I pray for each of us that we will be the sort of people uh, that not only have friends that we can go to in times of need, but, Father, that we will be those sort of friends for others. And I pray too, Lord, that you would work in each of us. Lord, we we look at Jesus and go, yeah, there's someone who is full of wisdom, full of tact and courage and boldness and faithfulness. That describes Daniel in this, this chapter, but it also describes you, Lord. And we say this morning, we want to be like that as well. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our lives, you would change us from the inside out, you would fill us with these things. Father, I pray for each of us, any who are facing circumstances, even this week, where we need to know your wisdom. Lord, maybe in our family, we need your wisdom, knowing how to respond to a particular individual. Father, maybe at work, there's a situation facing us in these next few days where we just need to know which way to turn, which decision to make. Maybe almost which company to go for, which supplier to use. I pray, Father, for wisdom, wisdom from heaven in these situations and others, Lord. I pray, Father, that we'll be open to you speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, that Daniel was somebody who you used to affect a pagan king and speak to him. Father, I I pray for any, Lord, this week who think, oh, yeah, but my boss doesn't know you or love you. I I pray, Father, still for wisdom. And I pray, Father, that we will be known as men and women full of wisdom and maturity because we have your spirit in us and filling us. I pray, God, help us with these things. Help us to live for you faithfully this week to make a difference in our lives. God, that you might be glorified and highly exalted, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. 
feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.